Welcome to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris, the show that meets at the intersection of education and entertainment to discuss online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesale, and all facets of selling on Amazon. We'll bring you news, tactics, strategies, insights, stories, and interviews to help you grow your Amazon business. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Grant and Chris Racing. What is going on? And welcome back to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris. As always, my sagacious co-host Chris Rasick is here. Uh, and this week, we will be interviewing Michaela, or as you might know her a little bit better on the Instagram, uh, at FBA Michaela. Uh, we're going to be chopping it up a little bit about online arbitrage. And we've got a ton of questions lined up for her as the inaugural female guest on the Clear the Shelf podcast, which we appreciate. Uh, and we have even crowdsourced some questions from Instagram, which I think should be uh, pretty good. Uh, so, Michaela, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, and uh, hopefully you can put up with us for the next hour or so. Yeah, thank you. Uh, absolutely. Now, before we get into the show, we always like to talk a little bit about uh, some news that's going on. And there was some... Uh, <clears throat> there was some news dropped by Amazon this week that... I, I'm surprised it took this long. Uh, so due to an increase in customer complaints related to multiple products, uh, Amazon's going to implement new multiple product shipping policy uh, effective September the 21st uh, for multiple seller fulfilled products. Uh, and they said that the shipping policy is designed to protect the customer experience, of course, uh, by ensuring heat sensitive products including but not limited to things like chocolate, gummies, uh, some jelly products, some wax-based products uh, are received in a n unmelted state by the customer. Uh, now, which I think is something that everyone should just know. We've talked about you know, shipping with ice packs and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but when this policy goes into effect in what two weeks from right now when we're recording this, uh, if you receive multiple melted product complaints, Amazon did say that they may either remove your offer uh, and they may suspend or deactivate your Amazon selling account So, and any related accounts they, they put in parentheses. Uh, so this is not something that you want to play with lightly, in my opinion. Uh, I, I will be honest, I'm probably just not going to merchant fulfill anything multiple uh, because even if it gets, it comes in perfect condition, who knows if somebody's like, oh, this was melted and I don't like it, or if the chocolate blooms or something like that, uh, you could have all kinds of issues. So make sure if you are doing Merchant Fulfilled, uh, or if you're in a state like I am where uh, it's hot as all get out uh, all the time, that you're being very, very careful so you don't get your Amazon account suspended. Um is this going to change? Do you, I don't. Do you guys do any merchant fulfilling of multiple products at all? Yeah, I just bought yeah. like thirty units of um, a multiple item <laughs> right before oh, they. Oh man! Uh, is this going to change how you handle mm -hmm. multiple products being shipped? It's honestly not like a. It's a. It's a granola bar. So like, it's not like. You know, it's not like actual like chocolate like sitting in a in a bag or anything so like i'm not like but like other multiple stuff like yeah, obviously i'm gonna be a little bit more cautious about it now yeah that makes sense 
Yeah. See, that's that's the one thing that is kind of funky. Like if it's a granola bar and it's got that chocolate drizzle on it, uh, you know, is that really going to be a big deal? Uh, I just it'll be interesting to see, you know, who complains about what. Uh, hopefully they give a wide berth on how many complaints you can get. Would have been nice to be like, hey, five complaints and you're out, uh, you know, but. Of course, they're not going to tell us that. Okay. So, <laughs> right? Uh, all right. So that's it. Let's uh, let's dive into the show. Um, so, Michaela, let's let's start from the very beginning. Like, what got you into Amazon? What's your backstory? How long have you been doing it? Just your whole story. We'll take it. Um, so, I actually got started like reselling almost. It's been almost a year now. So, I I started uh, reselling consoles back when like Xboxes and Playstations and GPUs and all that stuff. You know, was hot. And then I opened up my eBay store. I believe it was in October. And then I did some toys for quarter four. And then the market kind of crashed on you know the consoles and the GPUs. And I was getting tired of botting stuff. I just hated it. It's just too too much. Um, and then one of my mentors that was teaching me you know, the ropes about Amazon, I mean, about eBay. He was like, hey, I sell on Amazon. Like, I'm selling some toys on there and stuff. And I looked at it and everything, and I was, like, checking it out, and I saw that I was gated in literally everything. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think this is for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, like, I let it go. And then a couple months later, I was um, given the opportunity to join, like, a small um, mentoring program. And that's whenever I got introduced to Amazon again. And I was like, okay. And then so it's been it's been six months now. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so have how, let me ask this, how much have you manually ungated, like done the hard work with invoices and how much has become ungated automatically as your sales have grown? So from like the beginning, obviously, like that's the, the, the big thing that you have to do because that's just, everybody's has stuff that, that has to be, you know, ungated. So I got a lot of the toys already done before, you know, I started selling a whole bunch of stuff. And then, you know, I got like grocery, beauty, the you know, main categories done. And then now, like I've noticed, like, you know, if I want to get something ungated, it's, it, it's usually auto ungated. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, very cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, Michaela, I've I've seen some of your uh, uh, Instagram posts, and and I think you have the you got a real nice uh, throne of boxes, right? That you're sitting on. <laughs> that's uh, that's <laughs> pretty problem. impressive. So, uh, so now knowing that you know you're about six months full speed ahead into this, what were some of the obstacles that you overcome scaling up to this size, and and how did you overcome them? Um, so definitely, capital was like my main issue. Obviously, like I. I graduated in 2020. I didn't have, you know, a real job at the time because I was having surgeries. And I was planning on going to medical school. And so I was, you know, didn't have a job. So I didn't have a credit score, didn't have anything really in my name other than my, my student loan. So I had to get, you know, a bunch of student credit cards on my personal, obviously. And then so I started with like a $1,500 limit on Discover student card, worked my way up to, you know, probably five other ones. And, you know, obviously I only had maybe $10,000 combined, <laughs> like on all of these cards. So when I started scaling, I was like, okay, like you got to be more resourceful and stuff. So I kept, you know, kept all of the money from my, my business and I kept putting it back into the business because like I knew that if I took any money out, that meant obviously less money that I'd have in there for that business. So I just paid for my student loans and that was it. I kept, you know, recycling my money back 
Um, and then eventually I ended up getting a business credit card. And then that's kind of when a lot, a lot changed from there. But like people always say, you know, you started with a whole bunch of money. Like this is easy for you and all this stuff. And like, honestly, I really didn't start with a whole bunch of, you know what I mean? I started with a bunch of personal student cards. <laughs> like the maximum that I had on one was like 25. No, it was 2000. Like, you know, you can't honestly, if you want to buy a bunch of stuff, like you can't buy a bunch of $2,000 cards. So <laughs> Right. So capital was definitely like my biggest obstacle. And, and now that I've done a bunch of FBM and that's kind of why um, I decided to do a whole bunch of FBM along with just it being the season for it, you know, back to school. And that's honestly like changed my business like so much. Like I don't think people really understand how much like if you if you do FBM and you do it the right way, like how much it can actually change. Yeah. Absolutely. That's uh, you know, that was a theme with when we talked to Joseph too, you know, it was uh, it was the quick turnover, you know, which is um, yeah. It seems like the, the essential way to, to scale at any kind of pace. Um, so that's, that's interesting. You know, so obviously the capital, you know, that that's one of the main obstacles that you hear from beginners and the ungating process, you know, th mm -hmm. those are probably the two biggest, you know, wouldn't you agree, Chris? Those are, those are really popular obstacles that, that you hear from beginners. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that it's probably more than anything. Um, I, so I have a question about you doing FBM. Uh, how long are they holding your funds after an order is delivered uh, in, on your account? Isn't it 10, isn't it the standard 10 days after the delivery? Is, is it 10, so I, I'm a little, uh, I've got some, I've got some old timer privilege. Uh, and so <laughs> when I merchant fulfill, so I merchant fulfilled, just one product today. I most of my stuff is FBA, uh, but I merchant filled one product today, and so the minute that I print out the shipping label for me, I'm paid. Um, and so, uh, so I always forget it. So it's like seven to ten days for for you. At least ten. I'm pretty sure it's ten at least for me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's better do... than four weeks or six weeks. So I guess. Oh yeah. Can't complain. And I. I do think that'll get a little bit faster over, over time. Uh, so since, since you've come over those obstacles, what, during your growth process, what has not worked? Like, what have you, what did you try that, you know, failed and you had to pivot or, uh, or has anything not gone your way quite yet? Mm, I think like sourcing certain like categories and like not, not finding like my niche, like something that I was really good at sourcing and kind of focusing on those categories. Like I tried, you know, like toys, for example, not during quarter four, obviously, but just in general. And I just was running around in circles and circles and circles. <laughs> so it's like, I think we'll hold off for that for a little bit. But um, I honestly think like the biggest thing is kind of finding like a category that you either like, you have knowledge on, you know, something that you would rather spend, you know, looking at maybe six hours a day, you know, and you don't want to like gouge your eyes out as much. I mean, you're still going to probably, but like not as much that find something that you actually enjoy. So, you know, I found my niche now and I'm just really good at it now. The toys like finding, <laughs> it was I'm, bad. I don't know how people do I'm, this. I know. I'm, I'm glad to hear another person say that. Cause I know a ton of people love toys. Uh, I, I made the mistake. I, I have three toy skews right now. One of them, I've all I've pulled all of them because I, I didn't want to waste the time trying to get a CPC, and the other two I'm I'm liquidating because they need CPCs and I just I I don't want to deal with that anymore. So I'm I'm back out. Uh, 
Uh, that's good. I got a, I got a CPC uh, as soon as I finished the batch. Like I didn't even have it packed in a box yet. Yeah. Uh, and, and I got a CPC request. So that's fun. Um, all right. So, uh, and I know you, you said you found your niche um, and maybe this is the answer to this question, but uh, without giving too much away, what, uh, what would you say is working the best for you now? And is that something you're looking to double down on or amplify moving forward? Yeah. So I'm in like the clothing category, apparel, clothing, shoes. So that's just something I'm really good at. Like I could sit down and in two hours, I could find tons of leads. But if I would like say, for example, if I had look at toys, like I'm lucky if I find like a couple in that time period. Um, so like definitely going to double down on that, you know, um, plan is for quarter four, you know, double down on what I already have because, you know, in quarter four, pretty much everything that's, you know, good is going to sell even better um do that and then obviously add in some toys i'm gonna try again we're gonna <laughs> i'm gonna try it again so it sounds like uh what's your do you uh are you 100 percent oa or what's your oa to ra mix i don't do any ra so i do about 90 90 10 to 90% OA about 10% it's probably going to be closer to 25% wholesale and then I'm just getting ready to uh, launch my my private label product in the next like two or three months nice that's awesome did did I see that uh you got samples or or something already delivered I thought I saw that somewhere that's awesome I'm so excited about that (laughs) yeah that's awesome took it to physical therapy because I don't really go anywhere else other than physical therapy. And then obviously work on Amazon stuff really. And so I took them and I took both of them and I had everybody, you know, and they're like telling me what they liked, what they didn't like, you know, and everybody kind of had their own utilization for it. They're like, Oh, I would use it for this or I would use it for that. And I was like, you know, I didn't even think about that. So like, it was really helpful. If, if you're going to do private label, I definitely recommend like bring more eyes on it and being like, okay, like showing it to like whatever target population or just in general, um, other people. Is it, and I, of course I don't want you to, to, you know, tell us exactly what it is, but is it, I take it, it's something that physical therapists, uh, you know, would use. No, it's, it's it's in home actually. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, so it's something that people, more people can use, but everybody asks me that. I'm like, no, it's just, it's just because like, I don't, like to go anywhere else really so i'm like i have to bring it there because everybody you know what i mean like there's multiple types of people there like you know different ages and so yeah that's awesome so i have a i have a question about like clothing and shoes uh what does what's your turn rate like on clothing and shoes uh you know I, i guess so some people who get into clothing and shoes they're they complain about how slowly things turn over uh, and I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about like one, how fast your inventory turns and I guess maybe what things you look for when you're sourcing to make sure that you're not going to be holding on to inventory too long. Yeah. So like, I honestly, I don't do a whole lot of shoes. So that part, like maybe that's a little bit different, but for like the clothing and apparel side that I've been doing, like I usually sell out within like two weeks and I don't, and I don't like buy five units or anything. I'm buying like 50, you know, a hundred, depending on what, what, what kind. I mean, obviously you could sell like a hundred plus a day if you're going to get the buy box and stuff. So um, I just focus on stuff under 50,000 BSR things that sell at least a hundred units a month. A, a lot of like my best sellers are selling, you know, thousands of units a month and the, the BSRs are under like 10 K. I think my average is like 32 ish. Um, amongst my inventory but like when I buy I try to buy for the month but like 
once you kind of get down to that low BSR, sometimes you just don't have the pockets or there's not enough stock, obviously, that you can buy to kind of keep in stock for that long. But I think like right now I'm averaging about um, thir 13 or 14 turns for the year if, I, if I'm on the same, the same That's track. That's killer. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, how is your – what's your return rate like? So when I first started – selling i wasn't selling any apparel clothing or anything because everyone said oh the return rates are so bad like they scared you off from it and everything and i don't know if that was deliberate or not <laughs> but i did do it for like the first four months of me selling and then i started selling it a couple months ago and i think i started at like about three and a half percent and then it grew to probably the highest it's been like six and a half so i mean it's honestly not like horrible i mean i've heard of people being at least like 10 percent. so i'm like you know I, I kind of the way that i do things i kind of do a higher um, return rate so like clothing and apparel obviously and then i like to do beauty as well so then it kind of averages my returns out oh, very good and so i sorry I, I don't do a lot of shoes and clothing so this is kind of for my own education too uh but on the shoes and clothing, how do you, um, I guess, what things are you looking at when you're looking at variations and, and what, uh, what keeps you from buying something and, and what makes you pull the trigger? So definitely look at the variations tab because that's like the one of the most important if you're going to do variations and people always say like variations are so hard, whatever, but like you just, if you just, you just try and you can just kind of look at the data and let the data lead you. Most of the time, you're going to be okay. I just got to try to trust the data. Um, so when I'm looking at the variations, um, I'm obviously uh, ranking it by, you know, the most to the least. And then, like, I don't have, like, a specific thing. So some people are like, if it's not the top one, then I'm not buying. Like, if it's not the top one, then I'm not buying it. Or the top three or the top five. It honestly depends. Like, if you can get, like, a 1K BSR item that has, you know, say, for instance, 20 variations, you know, and it's selling, you know, maybe 5,000 units a month, like the top three are going to be good. And the top five are probably going to be good as well. And you may find, you know, six, seven, eight are also good. Like there's not like a one size fits all thing. Like I don't just go like top three now, because like, if, like I've noticed a lot, like the, the, the top one specifically usually is the one that has the most people on it because of that reason. So if you kind of like look below the top one, you know, do like two, three to five, then generally they're not as populated because people kind of like, mm, like they see that and they're like, if it's not the top one, then I don't really want it. But if you go in, if you go in and look, you can see, you know, a rough estimate under the offers tab, obviously, and, and kind of see what it's been selling in the last 30 days, but it doesn't obviously show out of stock people, but kind of gives you a rough estimate and you can use calculations to figure out how much that variation is selling or whatever but some people Perfect. are just like yeah if it's not number one then i don't want it so i take advantage of obviously of all those other ones that's that's great and do you mind if i ask like what's what's the minimum profit and, and roi requirements that you do on clothing so it depends on like everything i say is black and white it's not black and white it's gray so um yeah it depends on the listing obviously like for instance, you know, 100K BSR versus a 1K BSR and you say you're selling 30 a month with the 100K and maybe you're selling 2000 a month for the one, you know, $2 profit for, you know, if you're selling, say, 100 a month compared to maybe five a month, that's like a big difference. So um, if I can, you know, pump out the volume on two, $2, $2.50, whatever, $3 profit. I mean, then that's going to be like some of my best sellers I only make like three bucks off of, but I'm selling, you know, 500 a month. So. Okay. 
Uh, and the only reason I ask is because most of the shoe and clothing sellers that I talk to, uh, we'll call them, we'll call them legacy Amazon sellers. They've been around for, for a long time. Uh, and so they'll have rules like, you know, if I can't make $10 and, uh, say 25% or, or 40% ROI, I'm not going to buy it. Uh, and I mean, they're not doing bad. They're, they're doing eight figures a year. So, yeah. you know, they're not hurting, but, uh, their rules are a little bit more, um, much, I don't know, much larger ROI requirements and stuff like yeah. that. So I'm always curious. But I always, I always take advantage of the people that don't want to take the scraps, I guess is what you call it. Like, oh, I, and I make good money off. Like I said, some of my t- best sellers, I'm making $3 profit on, but I'm selling, you know, hundreds of them a month. So, oh, it oh yeah. makes sense for me at least. Yeah. I'll take volume all day like that. Um, all right. So changing gears a little bit, what's, what's something about selling on Amazon uh, or in your business that maybe you didn't expect? the community it's not even like like selling on amazon exactly but like the community itself like i didn't realize how big it was and like how helpful people are and how like genuine most of the people are on on you know the space i mean like i've met so many different kinds of people like from different backgrounds and like it's just it's just awesome to connect with other people because like i don't know anybody i I grew up in a small town like most people don't even know that you can even sell on amazon (laughs) they think they think that you buy on amazon and it comes from amazon itself like amazon is selling it so like on and i did too i honestly had no idea so um i don't know anybody um in real life i guess i should call it so just meeting obviously other people and, and just growing with those people like if i honestly don't think i would have I'm growing as fast if I didn't um, meet the people that I have along my journey. Nice. Uh, what's been the, I, I take it, Instagram has been the best place for you to network with people? Yeah. So I originally started out on Discord and then um, like, I always tell the story about like, they, they always tell you, you know, in Miles's uh, roadmap, he always talks about like networking and getting in a mastermind and everything and finally one day i think i was like selling about thirty thousand a month and i was kind of like yeah i'm getting kind of bored like by myself like i want to kind of network with other people but i like i don't know how to do it and somebody made a post and asking you know for people on on the east coast and i was like hey i think i'm going to message him and see if you know he let me in there and now like the three of them like they sort of like my original mastermind group and we've grown so much so like it, it definitely changed like if i didn't you know get the courage to actually you know reach out to him and he's like hey we're gonna be on instagram like do you have an instagram i'm like i have a personal instagram <laughs> like an fba like i'm like do i am i you know big enough to like do this like you know what I mean? i'm only selling thirty thousand a month and he's like dude just just do it so yeah definitely that definitely um propelled me forward for sure that's awesome. Nice. So what, uh, what does a typical day uh, look like for you as far as like you're, you're in the ins and outs of, of uh, getting through a, a work day? So usually I get up around six or six 30. Um, I don't know why I just started doing that. And I just feel like I'm like, I just do a lot more and more productive um, in the morning. So usually I, um, I get up, I just started training some VAs. So I'm, talking to them because you know they're 12 hours ahead of me um talk to them then i usually do my fbm orders in the morning and then that usually takes me about an hour or two depending on how many i have um then usually i'm going either to physical therapy or i'm doing um consulting calls with other students and then usually take you know a nap (laughs) like a power nap 
<laughs> halfway throughout the day. Um, and then I'm doing sourcing usually or prepping. I'm trying to get kind of get out of prepping the next within the next month, but prepping. Um, and then by the time night comes, you know, they're back online again on VA. So I'm talking to them again. And then it just like who just keeps reading. <laughs> A lot of calls lately. So it's been taking up majority of my time. Nice. Now you mentioned, uh, you mentioned you're talking to VAs and, and then you mentioned something about uh, maybe winding down your prep. So it sounds like, uh, let's talk about outsourcing a little bit. Um, what, uh, what parts of your business are you looking to outsource or have recently outsourced and, and what moving forward, uh, is there anything else you're looking to, to take off your own hands? Uh, so I just got a prep center about a couple months ago for the, like I did all my prep all the way up until then. It was like 60,000 a month. It was getting kind of crazy. So I did a little bit of that and then um, did FBM. So I've been doing a lot, you know, prepping here. But I'm hoping within like the next month or so, it was supposed to be like within like the next few weeks. But now that I'm doing more wholesale, I'm having some of it sent here until um, I kind of solidify where I'm wanting to send my wholesale stuff. And then um, so, yeah, like I'm going to outsource pretty much all of that other than my FBM. And then during Christmas, obviously, I'm going to start doing a lot more FBM. And then, like I said, I'm training a few VAs for wholesale. Um, I'm hoping to, like, transition more into wholesale. I'm not going to, like, quit away. But, like, you know, I want to do other things outside of just doing Amazon. You know what I mean? Like, there's other ventures that I would like to get into. Um, and then, like, obviously, I'm doing the coaching calls, like I said. And, like, I like doing those. So, you know, I need a little bit of my own my own time too. So outsourcing definitely and having people help me um, obviously source and stuff, but I'm still going to do all my OA myself, but I just, I'm going to have a few people um, help me with my wholesale. And then obviously with my private label, whenever that time comes. Hey guys, wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening to the Clear the Shelf podcast. My magnanimous co-host Chris Rasick has put together a gift for you for being a listener. It's called the Monthly Goal Tracking Spreadsheet and it's free. The spreadsheet will help you break down and track how much you've purchased, which should be a leading indicator of how much you will sell. And then you'll be able to track how much you've sold as well as your estimated monthly profit on a daily basis. This will all feed into the daily averages so you can ensure that you're on track to meet your goals each and every month. Grab it for free today over at cleartheshelf.com forward slash goal dash tracking. Thanks again for being a listener. Now back to the show. So what, uh, what's been some of the most important uh, growth levers in your business? Like what, uh, what, what's been the key to, to growth for you? Confidence. Like that's like probably the main difference. And I tell that to people like the main difference in my opinion between like a 10 K seller and a hundred K seller is confidence other than like capital. Obviously if you don't have capital, then like that, but like, like the main <laughs> thing aside from capital um, is just being confident and being able to like, so like when I first started, I was doing like test orders of like one to five and people are like, wow, that's crazy. But I was super conservative about stuff. I wanted to make sure I wasn't spending my money on, you know, stupid buys like, and you know, it worked out really well for me. And then, so now obviously I'm not doing that. I'm doing like 20. Um, and then when I'm replanning my stuff, I'm, I'm spending a lot more money and I'm, you know, buying maybe 50, you know, hundred, 150 of them. So like just confidence and, and to really just trusting that, like, I know what I'm doing. So that's definitely been like the, the main push for me. Nice. So what, uh, what, how did you gain the confidence, you know, so it, it, because they're obviously not just, uh, 
I mean, you have to be sure about your, your buying parameters and, and, you know, when you're searching or whatnot, but then, um, you know, if you're buying that kind of volume and you're, you, you even bumped up your test orders to 20 or so, you have to have a, a, a kind of a sophisticated tracking system. How do you, you know, how do you keep tra- tabs on all that? Um, so definitely the, the main thing for like the confidence was just, um, just like trusting that I know what I'm doing. Like I've, been researching for months and months and months and then kind of like my the networking like meeting other um individuals who are selling and they're like yeah like for for instance like (laughs) back in june i started buying back to school stuff and um i was talking to miles and we were talking about backpacks one day and he's like yeah like go buy the backpacks like you know you're gonna do really well and i'm like okay and i like texted him i'm like hey is 100 backpacks too many backpacks like because like i didn't like the most I've ever bought at that point was maybe 25 things. So I was like, oh, like I'm sitting here like <laughs> shaking. I'm like, am I buying too many? And then I end up selling like a thousand backpacks in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> like obviously just kind of having that nudge, but for like tracking and stuff, I just, I do everything um, through my Google sheet. It's, it's, it's horrible. Like I need to get like an actual software to like help me out, but like just, <laughs> sometimes I forget about replens too. And I'm like, Oh man, I did buy that like that. That just happened actually a couple of days ago where I found like, I was like, Hey, I didn't buy that. <laughs> Definitely need to get a better tracking system. That's the worst forgetting about a replen. It's like, Hey, you know, there's, there's money sitting over here in the corner of the room. You're just not, you're not looking at it, you know? Um, so what, uh, what's something that people misunderstand about selling on Amazon and uh, online arbitrage in general, in your opinion? That's passive income. It's like my biggest pet peeve that I hear from people. <laughs> passive income. Like they think I just day in and day out. I just sit here on, you know, on my chair, on my couch, you know, just chilling, like not spending much time doing it. I'm like, no, like literally I was spending, you know, at least six hours, um, start like in june especially like that's when i kind of went from you know like 60 to over a hundred thousand in sales and I, I put a lot of work into it and, and people just people just think oh you know she just meh. like i just click on walmart.com i just order a few things takes me 30 minutes and then i just go do whatever i feel like doing <laughs> it's not it's a lot of hard work especially if you want to scale it like aggressively um like obviously it takes a lot of time to put into that so yeah definitely the passive i hate that the most people are spreading that yeah, that's that's been going around for a long time. I I, I doubt that's going to die anytime soon. No. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm trying my best to come back on my end. <laughs> right. Uh, so, and I know that. So, what you've been on Amazon for? You said six months to a year, right? I can't remember. Six months. Yeah. So, so not a not a huge amount of time. But if you could go back to the very beginning and be like, Michaela, this is what this is the piece of wisdom you need to know uh, getting started. What would you tell yourself? To actually use coupons. Okay. I mean, it physically pains me to say that because like now I spend like 99% of my purchases are using coupons or they're on sale or whatever. I never pay full price for stuff anymore. But like before that, like now I was paying full price usually like, <laughs> so definitely utilizing coupons or like doing discounts because there's there's so many different ways you can find coupons and stuff it's not just like knowing there's like secret sauce like people always ask me like what's the secret sauce to finding coupons and stuff i'm like there's no secret sauce like they're just you just look for them and then you find them Mm -hmm. yeah that was 
that was one of the like very first questions from Instagram is Everyone where, always asks. where do you go? Where do you go find the discounts beyond a, a normal sale or, or whatever? Uh, yeah. They're at the bottom of the pages. Like if you just scroll down through the websites and stuff, like you'll find it at the bottom and like obviously signing up for email subscription list, like, sign up for everyone that you could think of, like create another email, like just for your, you know, Amazon stuff. And that you could literally just spam a bunch of just subscriptions for. Um, and then obviously just manually searching, like you'd be surprised how many you could find, like just searching in, like, just for example, like, I don't know, like Nike coupons, like just searching in to Google itself and like looking on like retail me not coupon cabin um, and using like honey extension. And that sometimes they have, it's annoying sometimes really annoying, but like, sometimes they actually have good coupons on there that i've used and it's like man if i didn't have honey then i wouldn't have used that one so yeah so i'm gonna this question is a little self-serving but do you use salesgazer.com at all no i don't know that okay all right so we created uh kind of a a, no don't worry about it no tons of people i don't tons of people don't know about this so we created kind of a catch-all email that you don't have to go in and subscribe. Uh, you can go create a salesgazer.com account, and then you just pick the stores you want to get emails from. You log into SalesGazer, and, and then it's got all the emails from, you know, Nike and Macy's and uh, like a thousand stores in there. Uh, so if, you ha- if you're listening and you have not created an account at salesgazer.com, Go do that. There will be a link in the in the show notes to uh, uh, to make it nice and easy for you. No, I didn't know that even existed, man. The more you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I want to. Well, actually, I want to. Let's transition to some questions from Instagram. Uh, and uh, yeah, so Chris, what's the first one? Uh, let's see. Well, we covered the first one was fine and discounts, which which you covered. Um, but uh, here's another very popular question. Um, what uh, what tips would you give to a beginner seller? So I actually kind of did a, my last post about beginners and kind of starting on Amazon. And it's honestly just keep practicing sourcing. Like, obviously, none of us started like with this wizard wizardry of being master at sourcing um you know it's just kind of the same principle like lebron james didn't just get good at at basketball because he woke up one day and was like hey mom i'm playing basketball <laughs> like, like he practiced like he you know what i mean he put a lot of effort and time and work into his basketball career so it's the same thing with sourcing like you can't just wake up one day and be like yep i'm a master sourcer so like putting the time and the, the effort into it and, and setting aside. I think it's important to kind of like, especially for the people who have like nine to five or like, you know, obligations outside of Amazon to kind of keep a schedule and be like, okay, so like every day I'm going to source for at least an hour or two hours or like every other day I'm going to source for at least, you know, X amount of time and kind of keeping to that because none of us like are like always eager to like source. Like I'm not, I don't wake up every morning and like, I'm just so happy to source today. You know what I mean? Like, there's some days that you just hate doing it. You just don't want to do it, but that's the only way you kind of get good at it. And definitely recommend just keep doing it. Keep doing it. It's going to suck. Like I, I hated it at first, but um, and especially when you don't see the results, you kind of get really discouraged about it. But um, eventually the hard work will pay off and you'll be like, man, you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad I kept doing it. That's, yeah. 
I really like that. I think, I think one of the things that a lot of people, uh, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's laziness, maybe it's, you know, fear. I, I don't know what it is, but a lot of people, uh, don't practice sourcing unless they're ready to like spend money. Uh, and you don't, you don't have to spend money to practice sourcing. You could build a list, you could source for someone else. I mean, there's so many different things that you could do to kind of work that muscle and, and make it stronger over time. Uh, so that's a, I think that's a really, really great tip. Um, all right. So you seem pretty driven. Uh, you know, and I don't, I haven't asked your age because, you know, I'm a gentleman, uh, but for a, a younger person, you do seem a lot more driven than normal. So what made you that way? Is it genetics? Is it your environment? Is it something else? Uh, you know, what, what got you? So like I told you guys, I was originally going to medical school. Like that was, that's been my dream since I could remember, like I was three years old, five years old. And I had like a, a doctor's kit and everything. So like kind of, um, I think that honestly has, you know, instilled a lot of, um, dedication and hard work in me. And just like, like, I remember when I, like, this is like a big moment. I, I remember like being like, okay, like I have to do this. I have to, you know, I have to, to actually put the effort into it. Like when I started taking my first chemistry class in college and I had no chemistry experience, like I was still in high school. Um, I did college credit plus, um, and so I did, you know, college classes when I was in high school. So I'd never taken a chemistry class in my life. And I did advanced chemistry, somehow miraculously passed the test to get in it. And then I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> so I remember talking to my professor and I was like, man, I think I'm going to fail out. I got like an F on the first test, like a 50. Um, and then I was like, man, like I have to really do this. And like from that, like that point, like I just I was just so driven about, you know, doing well and, and obviously going to medical school. So I think that background in medicine and, and medicine is such like a cutthroat world. Like it's, it's a rat, giant rat race. Like if you're not doing this, like I was always doing something like volunteering. I was in clubs. I was the president of clubs. I was, you know, doing other extracurricular activities on top of schooling. So just like just always having that mindset, like I have to do my best or somebody else is going to basically I'll beat me. Um, and then maybe I would never get to go to medical school. So I think that honestly, and then like my parents have always been hardworking people and they always tell me like, if you want it bad enough, you're going to work for it. So. Any, any plans to go back to school or do you think that you're, you're out of that for now? So I was had full every intention of going this year. Um, I had my apartment and everything. I was actually going down to um, Athens for medical school and um, had ankle surgery and it ended up failing. So I had to have it revised three months ago now. Um, so I couldn't, I just couldn't go. I knew I just wasn't going to be able to go. So it all worked out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I have no idea. I don't know if I could see myself doing a nine to five after all of this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You get <laughs> working, working 12 hours a day. It, it's kind of crazy. Like we enjoy working 12 hours a day so that we don't have to go work a nine to five. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. We're a weird bunch. I now I understand. Uh, uh, so you, um, so you mentioned, so we just talked about your drive and then, you know, earlier you talked about just putting your reps in, um, Chris and I, we like to talk about productivity a lot and, and, you know, getting the most out of, out of it. So my question is what, how do you, 
on the days that you just aren't feeling it, how do you push yourself to kind of fight through it and, and get the reps in and, and kind of reignite that drive when it's just not, not your day? Thinking about going to a nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> because like I have a degree in public health and health administration. So like, if I do want to go back, I can, like I can, I can go back to school or I could you know get a job in the, in the field that I want. But like, after the COVID thing, like it just, it honestly just killed um, the health field. Like it just, it's just miserable for a lot of people. And like, actually a lot of people that I've met um, students and stuff, like they're coming from the medical field and they're like, man, this is like, it's just bad. Like burnout is real. So like, just thinking that like having that in the back of my head, <laughs> like Michaela, if you don't do this, like, <laughs> like you're going to have to go work like nine to five job. You're going to hate like doing it. So like, I was like, you know, just keeping that kind of as a motivator. Okay, that's good. Um, so switching gears to, uh, you do a lot of Merchant Fulfilled. Um, how do you manage doing the volumes that you do? And uh, do you have any tips on uh, uh, finding maybe inventory that uh, would, would excel uh, Merchant Fulfilled? So despite what people may think, I literally do most of my FBA. Like I have people message me and be like, you should change your name to FBM, Michaela. I'm like, honestly, I really don't do that much. It may seem like I do a lot, but like, honestly, like right now, 90, 10, 90% um, FBA right now. But back then, yeah, 75, 25. But um, so keeping when I when I'm doing FBM, I always keep FBA in mind first, because like I said, I am. FBA Michaela so I'm doing FBA <laughs> so when I source sourcing FBA first then I get through like my criteria and then obviously if it meets my criteria then I'm like okay how much am I going to buy whatever and then I will cycle back through and say okay can I double dip this can I do FBA and FBM like are we in the season you know is you know back to school for example like most of my listings are FBA and FBM like I've sold both so um and honestly just kind of depends on the year the time of year especially during like Christmas and stuff like if you're not double dipping, like if you're not at least doing some FBM, you're, you're losing out on thousands of dollars of profit. Yeah, that's that's what they tell me. I uh, you don't <laughs> do FBM? I am not an MFer. No, I uh, that's uh, that's that's unfortunate. That hurts my heart a little bit. I know. I'm sorry to disappoint. I uh, no, I haven't uh, I haven't jumped in that arena it's yet. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. Trust me. Like I have to have my parents help me and stuff. Like because like the first. The first month I was doing FBM, I was still I was still on crutches, so like I couldn't. Even... Oh, yeah, I was rolling around on my knee scooter trying to you know carry stuff outside. <laughs> oh jeez. Hey, so uh, actually, well, while we're talking about that, um, you're gonna ramp up uh, your merchant fulfilling for Q4, right? You you mentioned oh, yeah. that. We, we just Chris and I we just talked about um, we just recorded a, a Q4 uh, prepared preparedness episode. So what uh, what are you stocking up on? What 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 advice would you give for heading into Q4 um, as far as like supplies and, and, and tools of the trade? Definitely stock up on anything that uses a lot of like tape boxes. Like I utilize a lot of um, uh, USPS shipping. So like I get their free boxes and stuff. So like I'm going to like send a bunch of those in. Like my mail lady's going to be like, what is she doing? <laughs> but I'm going to do a lot of those, obviously tape, stock up on tape. You don't want to have to be like 
looking for supplies whenever you're in like the heart of quarter four FBM. So anything that you're going to use that you may think you're going to use, you might, you might as well just buy extra of it. That definitely, uh, that definitely helps. <laughs> and obviously like products wise, like if you're, if you're selling good stuff right now, it's going to do well, generally well during quarter four. So like just double down on, you know, your regular stuff. Like I know clothing apparel, it, it does well during Christmas because people get them as gifts. You know what I mean? Like it's just, that's just kind of how it works. So like doubling down on that. And then I'm going to be obviously doing, like I said, toys. So I'm going to do some toys. I'm not going to do like completely all toys, but like some people would like refuse to do toys, but I don't know. I just, I think it's just kind of one other avenue, just kind of like FBM and FBA. Some people don't want to do FBM, but I guess it's just, personal choice i guess sure yeah what uh what book have you read recently that is been really helpful either in business or personal rich dad poor dad first okay. one, a classic. first one that's the first one i chose to read and I, oh my gosh it has changed like my whole life like thinking about like i was i mean I was pretty good with my money. I mean, like I said, I didn't have a job. So like I, I lived the poor college student life for like at least five years. So like I didn't have fancy anything. Like I wasn't buying Rolexes and you know what I mean? So, but like just reading that book and like just thinking about the concepts and thinking like, wow, like that makes so much sense. You know what I mean? Like, why am I spending money on this when I could be buying this instead? So like the whole asset versus, you know, like appreciating and appreciating asset, like, like just changed my whole life i'm like man i don't even want to buy a car right now like why are people buying lamborghinis like you could go buy a rental property and make money off of it like <laughs> so yeah definitely definitely changed my life that's that's great now you said a little bit now now i'm just curious but you said a little bit earlier that you you want to venture out into some other things uh what what kind of other interests or businesses do you have you want to get into other than private label, that's my name, my number one right now. I want to build my own brand and hopefully eventually sell it off. Or maybe if I have too much of an emotional attachment to it, I'll keep on growing it. But um, uh, real estate, I don't know. I've just been always make flipping or, you know, just doing general um, like rental properties or maybe owning, you know, like a small business like a car wash or I don't know, whatever other <laughs> venture that I find. Yeah, it's awesome. Multiple income streams awesome. is important. Did did you happen to see the uh, the most recent Amazon first uh, private label brand that just sold? No. So not. there's a I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but they're uh, they're a private label brand uh, and they sell like uh, acne patches or something like that. Oh, uh, okay. But they hot. just yeah they just sold for 14x EBITDA so. Uh, all total, it was a $630 million sale. So for, a, and they started on Amazon to test product market fit and then they moved to retail and then they moved to direct to consumer. Uh, so part of Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a great, great sale. Uh, really. And kind of interesting and good guy to follow on Twitter. He, he tweets out a bunch of really interesting stuff. So. Yeah, man. That's legit. <laughs> Uh, before we wrap it up, where, where can people find you? What's, uh, what's the best place for, 
uh, you know, people to ask questions or learn about what you do or, or any of that kind of stuff. Wherever it is, right here. I always mix it up. FBA Michaela. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Obviously, Instagram's my um, number one. And then YouTube. I have a few. I'm trying. I'm working on the YouTube thing. It's just, it's a lot sometimes. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, perfect. Um, Michaela, I really appreciate you taking the time to, mm-hmm. to hang out with us for a little while and answer some questions. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, and, uh, and that's it. So guys, thanks so much for, uh, for watching, uh, make sure to hit the like and the subscribe button and, and all that usual stuff. Uh, we'll make sure to get some clips out for this uh, episode uh, and we'll be back again next week. All right, that's it. Thanks a lot guys. See you. Thanks for listening to clear the shelf with Chris and Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and share to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite FBA group. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear more from us in the future. Also, I'd like to give you some free gifts for listening. Head over to rabbittrailchallenge.com and repricerchallenge.com for some free courses to further your business. Thanks for listening.